welcome to Those Catholic Shrinks, the podcast about mind, body, and spirit. I'm Lisa. And I'm Regina. We're two Catholic therapists following the call of Jesus in our vocations and in our profession. So put the kettle on, grab your favorite tea, and let's get started. Today's podcast is all about St. Patrick's Day. I'm so excited. I love St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patty's coming up to you all. Um, I'm sure you're curious what St. Patrick's Day has to do with those Catholic shrinks. (laughs) Yeah. But before we jump into that, Regina, what are you drinking? So I am repeating Mm. my drink from last time Mm. called... I forgot. Joyful mind. Joyful mind. I was going to say mindful lift. I mean, same. Mindful lift, joyful mind. It's all the same. But I'm loving the lavender, the lemon, Mm. the candelula. I love it. It's like all it needs is rosemary, and I think I'd have all my favorite flavors in one. I don't know if I've had rosemary in tea before. Yeah, it'd probably be an extremely strong. Mm herbal tea yep i usually give up coffee for lent so i'm gonna be much more exploratory in my teas this time the Mm. next time i do that yeah but i am doing i'm just doing regular mint tea but it makes me so happy because it's just simple it just works you can't go wrong with mint tea no you really can't Mm -mm. speaking of oh mint green leaf green leaf leaf cove clover that was intentional, wasn't yeah, it? It was. <laughs> it was kind of a stretch, too. <laughs> I tried. So we wanted to talk about St. Patrick's Day and talk about luck. Yes. So I kind of had this weird question of, like, why is St. Patrick's Day a Catholic holiday associated with luck? Yeah. And I was doing a little bit of research. And because as Catholics, you know, you don't really think of us as uh, thinking about, like, luck so much. We're not, like... People who really believe in that, we'll jump more into that later. But I was like, okay, so if this is a holiday all about St. Patrick, then where did that come from? And from what I was reading, it's not anything like particular that he did or talked about. It's just specifically that the four-leaf clover or the shamrock, which is the three-leaf clover, is considered to be a Celtic charm. And it's supposed Mm. to repel bad luck from people. So if you have like a four-leaf clover, if you have a shamrock, it's supposed to repel bad luck and St. Patrick when he was evangelizing the pagans in Ireland would use the three leaf clover the shamrock to explain the trinity you know Mm, that each leaf was representative of the father son holy spirit but it was one so three separate leaves but one because it's one clover right and so because the shamrock is associated with St. Patrick which is also associated with luck hence Lucky St. Patty's Day. Right. Um, Luck of the Irish. (laughs) Yeah, which then led me into, okay, well, like, that's just so funny. So then do Catholics believe in luck? Because I think a lot of people wonder that. And if we look at what luck is, like, luck is like this force that causes things, like, especially good things to happen in your life, right? And so we as Catholics, we don't want to be superstitious. And so I think luck actually ends up falling underneath that category of superstition because luck is about like off chances that bring, it's a force other than God that brings good things to our life. So then that starts to fall under the superstition (laughs) category. So no, we as Catholics don't believe in luck. 
Dun, dun, dun. I know. It's so sad because St. Patrick's Day is so fun. Right. <laughs> like, and like finding four-leaf clovers. And I just thought that was a really interesting way to, to understand like how those two things were associated and where that association came from. Right. Um, because I think it's interesting in, when we look at like, I think especially outside observers can look at Catholics and be like, you guys totally believe in luck. Like you're always crossing yourselves. Right. Or like dousing things with holy water, <laughs> <laughs> wearing crucifixes. I mean, there's like a bunch of them. But I think that's what's interesting about um, for us as Catholics. And I think a lot of people, especially Protestants, don't understand this because they don't necessarily have this in their tradition, is that we are really big, like, exterior signs kind of people. Right. Like, we like tactile things. Yeah, the senses. Yes, yeah, exactly. in touch with all the senses. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this stuff is about understanding that we are both body and spirit and that these things are meant to be exterior signs for us of interior realities. Right. You know, so just like with St. Patrick, the clover is an exterior sign of this greater reality. Mm-hmm. And that I think all these things that we as Catholics do that people would consider superstitious, crossing ourselves. You see that in movies all the time. <laughs> Something creepy happens and like... The one Catholic in the room crosses themselves. (laughs) But really what these things are is like inwardly we're doing something with them. Mm -hmm. Like with any of the things that we're thinking about. Like when I cross myself, I'm praying in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a sign of a prayer. It's a sign of a prayer. Something crazy just happened. Lord help us. (laughs) Okay, I need... All three of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, <laughs> y'all need to get up down here right now. <laughs> but it's that exterior sign, and it actually helps. And I love that because, like, I'm one of those people that gets distracted so easily. Mm-hmm. So something like the sign of the cross really grounds me and helps me. To, okay, now you are praying. You right. transition from whatever you're doing to praying. Right. You know? And I think that's true of any of these other exterior signs that can seem superstitious. I know a lot of people wear scapulars. Well, what is that? Or a crucifix. That's superstitious. You're trying to repel away bad luck the same way the shamrock does. Right. It's like, no, that's, it could be that for an individual, but in the church's tradition, what it's supposed to be is a reminder to, okay, so this scapular is an exterior sign, a reminder of my devotion to Mary. Right. And with it comes prayers and disciplines that I use. Right. The wearing a crucifix is a visual reminder for me of the sacrifice of Christ. And right. when I see it, my mind then goes to the Lord and thinks of him and remembers to pray. Right. Or um, just my Christian identity. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing with like holy water. You know, my girlfriends and I, when we were in college... There was like six of us who lived in a house and one night we decided to watch a scary movie. And so this is a household of like a whole bunch of like super Catholic girls. So each of us had a thing of holy water in our rooms. One one of the girls had just come back from Lourdes. So she had a whole bunch of Lourdes water. We're like, oh my gosh, we're so scared. So like we're going around and we were blessing the house with holy water and we were praying at the same time. Right. You know? Right. And so I think that's the really big differentiation is if you remove the prayers or the interior disposition from any of this, yep, it's starting to creep into superstition. And you can actually do that with with religious items. The catechism actually talks about it. Catechism 2111, to attribute the efficacy of prayers or of sacramental signs to their external performance apart from the interior dispositions they demand is to fall into superstition. Mm. So it could, 
if you're not praying with them. Right. If you're not allowing them to lead you to that kind of interior disposition. Right. And to calling on the Lord, asking for the Lord to, in prayer. Yeah, I love that you mentioned interior disposition because it one of the things I've tried to practice in recent years is avoiding saying like, oh, I was so lucky or something mm. like that. Like I try to eliminate that mm. from my vocabulary. Every now and then it slips out, but just really having that interior disposition of recognizing, mm. you know, that God is at work in my life as opposed to, or, or recognizing like that something is a gift, right? Regardless yeah. of if it's a blessing or a curse or something, right? <laughs> um, but saying, you know, just saying like, wow, you know, like, I'm so glad this happened, like, hmm. you know, or something like that, or like, what a blessing, or what a gift, right? Oh. As opposed to like, oh, I'm so lucky I, yeah, you know, uh. <laughs> I don't know, like, I'm so lucky that I got here on time today, or something. Yeah, and switch that over to, thank you, Lord, for helping me to get here on time. Right, something Oh, like that's that. a big shift, I love that. Yeah. It's like a little change that, mm-hmm. like, creates a really big interior shift. Exactly, just recognizing that like you're talking about that what is the internal disposition happening when I say one statement versus the other mm. random chance versus an actual <laughs> see now I'm gonna start paying attention to when I say oh I'm so lucky mm-hmm. because we say it a lot because we think we're being humble and like mm. depending on the situation we don't want to give ourselves credit for something but mm. you know maybe someone else is deserving of that credit besides us so. I really love that <laughs> And speaking about luck, Mm, um, yeah, part of the reason why Lisa had this awesome idea for St. Patrick's was um, talking about locus of control. Yes, I love this. When I learned about this in grad school, I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) This is like, makes so much sense and seems simple, and I should have figured this out, but I didn't. (laughs) Right. And it still, I mean, it still serves us to this day in our practice, Mm -hmm. you know, almost, almost 10 years later. You know, I just feel like it's like a conversation I have regularly with clients about those mm-hmm. themes of locus of control. Maybe I don't use that language with them, mm-hmm. but at least it gives me a framework to look at it. So when we're talking about locus of control, I know that sounds really super clinical. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we mean when we say that? Basically, yes. um, locus of control is an individual's belief of what causes rewards or suffering in their lives. And so there's two versions. There's external locus of control and internal locus of control. So when we talk about external, it's basically anything that happens in your life is out of your control. Kind of like what we're talking about with the idea of luck, right? Oh, it was bad. I got a flat tire. I had bad luck today, Mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, bad luck that um, I didn't get the job, something, right? So it's an experience that results from luck or some type of chance that, oh, I too bad I didn't get the job. It must have been bad luck. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that I can do to control the situation, that I have power over it, but mm. some outer influence has neg- negatively or positively impacted mm-hmm. the situation for me. Yeah, and that's what brings rewards or sufferings. Like, this reward came because of this person doing this, or chance, or serendipity is another word people will use Mm -hmm. or this bad thing happened because oh I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time right yeah right um or there was nothing I could do about it Mm -hmm. like this other person caused it to happen that happens a lot yes saying like the reason why you're in a sticky situation is somebody else like led you to it and if they hadn't just hadn't done what they had done you wouldn't be here. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we all can probably think of someone in our lives where it's constant, you know, complaint after complaint about 
everything else and everyone else who mm-hmm. caused something to happen. And you can kind of feel and sense that that's grating on you when that it's a little draining when yes to be around somebody who everything is external locus mm-hmm. of control, nothing's within their control. I just feel like that would be such a difficult sense oh. of going through life. Of feeling like you don't have control. Sounds exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. Where the opposite internal is you do have control Mm -hmm. over your outcomes in your life. So your hard work, your skills can shape your experiences. Like you have the ability Mm -hmm. to make something successful or change or Mm -hmm. not. And I feel like that's, like I said, in our work with clients, that's something that I want so many people to know. Yeah. Right? When they, you know, whether it's some type of negative inner monologue they're having with themselves about you know oh well I shouldn't see I shouldn't say this and deal with this conflict at work because I don't want to appear like I'm being too demanding or bossy or you know I shouldn't do that or I couldn't do that well what makes you say that you shouldn't do that Mm -hmm. you're just bringing up a concern you have about Mm -hmm. a conflict at work what why aren't you allowed to express your concern about a situation Mm. right and so we put these expectations on ourselves about standards of how we should be acting. Mm -hmm. And when the reality is we kind of limit ourselves based on, we feel like, well, I can't, I don't want to stir up the pot at work. You know, I don't want to get written up or I don't want to get fired or whatever it Mm -hmm. might be. When the reality is you can express your opinion in a responsible way. Yeah. We don't have to flip tables and curse (laughs) people out. Right. (laughs) But it's, you have the control, you you should be allowed to express your opinion. And so that is within your control. Now we can't control how someone reacts to that. Mm -hmm. That might be an external locus of control, but certainly you should be allowed. And so helping people shift that mindset of, Mm -hmm. actually, this is more within your control than you think it is. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You have that ability in yourself. Mm-hmm. That it's not something that has to be conferred on you or you have to be given permission to do things. You can take action and you don't have to double check everything with everybody and get permission to do those things. Right. That you have the ability to make. And I think that's the thing too, like you said, is that you can make choices and people can also choose how to respond. Right. You know? Right. Um, and then we tend to get into that black and white thinking. People with the, the internal locus of control easily get into black and white thinking. Well, if I were to do this, then the absolute worst case scenario would happen, you know? Right. Rather than saying, okay, if I did this, these things might happen. How can I then deal with those things? You right. Know? I still have the power to, mm-hmm. to deal with it and respond in my own way. I can respond to their response. Yep. Right. And I do have control over that. And so I think... That's a big difference between external and internal locus of control is how much we feel like when a setback happens or something difficult happens, how much control we feel like our lives depend on those situations. Yeah, exactly. How you would explain it. Mm -hmm. Because I think people with the external would see it more as like bad luck or other people causing it to happen. And they end up like giving up and feeling helpless. Where Mm -hmm. somebody with that internal locus of control you know, feeling like they have control within themselves, they actually see setbacks as like, oh, okay, that gives me new information. That was a fluke. So now I need a new approach. Like how I'm going to problem solve this. Mm -hmm. Like I think of like Thomas Edison. I don't know if this is his actual quote, but he's like tried like a thousand different ways. I'm totally butchering this, (laughs) but uh, it was like a thousand attempts before it finally worked. And it was, I could see it as I failed a thousand times or I could see it as I found a thousand different ways to not make a light bulb. <laughs> Ooh, 
I like that. Right? Yeah. And so he had a very internal locus of control. So, like, each iteration wasn't, I failed. Each iteration was, that's not how you make a light bulb. And, like, helped to lead him in the direction. Like, okay, let me problem solve that. Let me see. That's new information that I have about how electricity works and light works and, like, glass. I don't know how he made those things. Right. Um, Although Edison bulbs are really cute and I love them in decor. Um. (laughs) But, yeah, at at what point do you stop? Mm-hmm. Right? And if it really took him a thousand times. Yeah. Right? At what point would someone else have said, well, I've done this 500 times. Clearly this isn't working. Bad luck. Like, it's not meant for me to do this. Yes. Yeah. And give up. Right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, actually, like, this is giving me information to figure this out. Yeah. And that's the internal locus of control. Because then when something goes wrong, you're not super upset about it. It's just, okay, that's new information. Mm-hmm. So even, like, you can apply this to relationships. Like, oh, like, I tried to talk to my spouse about something that was bothering me and it didn't land well. Instead of, like, this is hopeless, I can't do anything, it's, okay, that's not the way to approach him. Is there another way that I can do this? Right. Um, Or if, like, you're trying to, like, do a project at work and it doesn't work out the way exactly that you want it versus, like, I'm just a failure and everybody, nobody would help me with this. It's, okay, what what about this caused it to not go the way that I wanted to? And how can I fix that for next time? Right. Exactly. So essentially learning from our setbacks Mm -hmm. and applying that information to the future. And that's what I thought was really interesting about internal versus external locus of control is I was reading this study that was saying people who have more negative life experiences are not more likely to have an external locus of control. Because if we think about it, it's like kind of, these are like the pessimist versus the optimist kind of right, stuff, you know, right. just because you have a really hard life where there's a lot of bad things that happen to people doesn't make it more likely for them to say, well, this is out of my control. In fact, the study found that people who had more negative life experiences were more likely to be hopeful, were more likely to experience optimism, and were more likely to feel like they could control things in their life in some way. They were more likely to have an internal locus of control. Which is crazy. Right? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, <laughs> But I think that's that's hopeful for us because I think you, you can't then just say, well, like, my life is really hard, so that's why I feel this way. Right. Your life is easy, and right. that's why you have the internal locus. Like, right. actually, you're more likely to have an internal locus of control with more negative life experiences. I wonder if that's because if you have more negative life experiences, there's a sense of more struggle Mm. and more trust. So you're able to see how your hard work can make an impact versus maybe if you lived kind of an easy life, you know, silver spoon type of life, Mm. then there's less of ability to connect hard work with things coming your way. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, but... That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so how do we take this psychological, fun psychological, clinical principle of internal and external locus of control, and how do we make sense of that within the spiritual? I love the catechism. So wordy, but it's also like, what a great source for us as the faithful, you know, to be able to just immediately go to this. And like, this is like the beauty of the teachings that we have. So in... Catechism 1730. So this is where the catechism is talking about man is created to be. And he says, God created man a rational being, conferred on him the dignity of a person who can initiate and control his own actions. God willed that man should be left in the hand of his own counsel. 
so that he might of his own accord seek his creator and fully attain his full and blessed perfection by cleaving to him. Um, and what I love about this is like basically the catechism is saying like it's all about the internal locus of control. Yeah, like we control our own actions and that the purpose of those actions is to seek out the Lord. That what we're supposed to be doing in this problem solving is seeking the Lord in those moments and then asking him, like seeking and asking, right, for his blessing. And both of those things are very internal locus of control. They're problem solvings. And then we choose him. So like being responsible for our choices and that those are the things that are going to bring blessings to our lives. Like yeah. not luck, right? not some exterior force, not chance, not serendipity. It's seeking the Lord, asking for his help, recognizing ourselves as controlling our own actions. And that's what's going to bring blessing into our lives is the Lord bringing it in because of our free will we've asked him to. And what I love about that idea so much is that that works even in a suffering situation, mm. right? Because we have the ability to choose in those moments of suffering whether or not we're going to choose the Lord and cleave to him. Yeah. Or do we just chalk it up and say, this is out of my control. God mm. is doing this horrible thing to me. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing I can do. All hope is lost. Yep. Right. And so even our dispositions can mm. change how we approach a really difficult situation. Mm. Or I'm even thinking something like temptation to sin. Right. Mm. Oh, well, I was tempted, you know, when I walked <laughs> past that magazine or that billboard. And so, you know, it was beyond my control. I saw it and mm -hmm. there was nothing I could do. Or the reverse of that, of, you know, maybe we were a victim of some type of horrible crime, like mm. sexual assault or something and feeling like, we have to go seek forgiveness because mm. of something we did. So being really mindful of who's responsible in certain situations mm. and how even if something is out of our control, we have the responsibility to, even after we're exposed to some type of temptation, changing our mindset about that and, yeah. and approaching it differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would love that. That's beautiful. And I think that's what internal and external locus of control is saying. It's not saying that you'll never have suffering in your life. It's right. How do you approach it? Right. And it's the same thing the catechism is saying is it's not, we're not saying that you're not going to have suffering. It's how do you understand it and what do you do with it? Right. I really love that because both of them see suffering as opportunities for growth. Right. Opportunities right. to um, expand your abilities, you know. So, I mean, clearly in the psychological, it's like stress tolerance and all of these things and problem solving. But in the faith, I would say, expand our ability to really have an intimate relationship with God. Right. Mm -hmm. And wrestle with it and say, I'm going to keep trying again. Even if I fall down, I have the ability to get back up and mm. continue forward. Yes. Right. Instead of saying, oh, whatever, I'm doomed to hell now. It's all over. Right. <laughs> like. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. um, but it actually makes me think, as I was kind of like putting all this stuff together, it's made me think of. That quote from John Paul II, which I really, really love, where he says, We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his son, Jesus. Mm. And I just really love that because I think that is, it's the internal looks of control, but infused with our faith. Yeah. Lot, that good things coming into our lives are a product of both 
that interior disposition, like you were saying, and the Lord is the source of all blessings in our life. Right. Absolutely. It's those two things together. Thanks for listening, you guys. And yeah. start start saying you're grateful as opposed to you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. And please, you know, we'd be so grateful if you like what we're doing. Please share on social media, on Facebook, go to the Orlando Diocesan page and share um, our podcast with mm. others. We want to spread the message of healing and love. Yeah. And don't forget to email us. If you have a topic you want us to cover or you have a question, we always love fielding those. It's thosecatholicshrinks at gmail.com. We'll see you guys next time.